This, this, this is a presentation of the Outlaws Sports Network. Well, well, well. What have you stumbled upon, ladies and gentlemen? You've stumbled upon a podcast that takes you beyond the curtain. That's exactly what this is. Welcome to a brand new edition of Beyond the Curtain. Appreciate you guys taking the time out of your day, evening, morning, night. Check us out. Listen to us. This is the AEW Dynamite debut show recap and review. I don't know about you guys out there in listening world, from my guests here today, tonight, whatever you want to call it, I had to catch my breath. I had to kind of recap everything that happened in my mind because I was so focused on each and every segment to exactly understand what was going on that I kind of had to just kind of have a reset in my mind going, okay, write some notes down, make sure I knew what we were, what we were talking about, what was going on. We are coming off the first ever episode of All Elite Wrestling Dynamite on TNT. What a debut. What a debut. But before we get into that, I do want to present my guest here on this episode. We've got, first of all, the man, the myth, the legend, who's always here. My trusted support buddy with AEW. We've got the host of Taking the Bump podcast. Big bad Jimmy Jam, James Beatley. How are you doing tonight? I am doing good. Oh, man, I am. Oh, that finish. We'll talk about it. Oh, that got me pumped up. Hey, uh, real quick, I released an episode of Taking the Bump earlier before the show started. Listen to that after you listen to this and get to it. Absolutely, absolutely. And appreciate definitely plugging that away. Of course, you guys need to check that out for sure. Be sure to listen to Taking a Bump, new episodes that are up on his Facebook, Twitter, Spotify, Anchor, all the apps that you can listen to your favorite podcasts on, not only with our show, but James or so, as well as my other guests here this evening, the host of Unhinged Wrestling Podcast, back for a second week in a row. That's a new record, and uh, uh, maybe some more future appearances for sure. Maybe we got to work out his contract clause. I don't know. His lawyers are pretty stiff, that's for sure. Anyways, we've got the man... Big bad Randall, Randy Beatley. Sir, how you doing? Doing pretty, pretty well. Uh, excited to be on here again. Uh, but yeah, let's, let's move on. Good, good, good. Um, I will say, while this is a AEW review recap podcast, um, um, uh, not sure about James. I know I, I did not watch a single thing of NXT. Kept that remote on AEW on TNT the whole night. Never switched off once. So I have no idea what happened. I do know Randall watched both shows. He had AEW on the big screen and uh, NXT on his phone, I believe. So uh, he did watch just about all of both shows. So uh, And James, I believe you watched all of AEW as well, right? Uh, yeah, just AEW. I... Uh... 
I changed the channel once, and that was to see how the Washington Capitals were doing. And at that point in time, we were getting a butt kicked. So, uh, yeah, they're still playing as of this recording because we're recording this directly after AEW's off the air. I'm loving. I love the episode so much. I've still got the rerun going on on TNT. <laughs> um. Anyways, I don't know the score of the Capitals game. I know we tied it. Let's not. Let's not talk about that because. Uh, Trying not to focus on sports because that's for a different day tomorrow when Los Bravos take the field. But anyways, we'll get to that in just a second. On a side note, ladies and gentlemen, if you listened to the last episode of the podcast, I'm hoping we're not going to go into an hour and 45 minutes like we did last time. Hopefully it might be a little shorter. I'm off tomorrow, so I don't have to worry about waking up early or anything like that. I'm sure both of you do have to work, so we'll try to make sure we don't go into midnight. I don't. Oh. But I do have I do have to wake up early. Uh, I'm going to Raleigh for the day to watch those Hurricanos beat the Montrealos. He's a Bruins fan at heart, ladies and gentlemen. He's a Hurricanes fan as well. <laughs> anyway, well, I work in the morning, so uh, I, I will mention that in case you guys missed it or didn't listen to the episode because it was too long, I do apologize for that. But I try to keep <laughs> it under an hour, fifteen minutes, if possible. From here on out, if we can. Um, a couple of things we're going to hit on before we get into all this stuff. I know you guys are wanting to hear the recap and how we felt about it. But we got to hit on some of the high points. So first, new thing coming out that we're still kind of planning on. But we do know it's going to happen. It's officially going to happen. It's just us working out the details and the kinks and all that good stuff. The Outlaw Wrestling Network is what we're going to be calling it. Where all three of us are going to be watching... Russo era WCW stuff, and that's going to be starting on his first Nitro. And we're going to watch the Thunders as well, even if he may have not been totally booking it, just Kevin Ash was kind of in the scene as that uh, for that show as well. But we're going to be watching that all the way from 1999, late 99, all the way to 2001. Even in the couple of months that Vince Russo wasn't there writing it, we're still going to be talking about it. Not a full debate, just basically giving our, our feedback, live raw reaction, while we're watching how we like it or don't like it. Not not a total batch Vince Russo episodes, strictly just about the product. However, we did get an agreement last episode, and I'm going to remind you every single time that I have an episode that Randall had agreed to. Now, James, I know you posted it on your show's podcast Twitter page, but I want to make sure that we have it right. So I threw out the challenge because Randall does not want to debate me about Vince Russo for whatever reason. Not saying he's scared, but for whatever reason. So I threw out the challenge that uh, he guaranteed, I think you said, uh, every, you know, in in a year's time from um, today's date, October 2nd, that either three-fourths or all of the elite were going to be going to WWE. James, I think you posted that if two of the six go to WWE, or I don't know how you word it. I think you worded it a little bit weird, so I'm trying to make sure we have it all cleared up. I said if all but two, right. so four, so we're counting the Young Bucks, Cody, uh, Omega, Hangman, Brandy. We count those six people. If two of those six people stay in AEW, or four of the six go to WWE in a year's time. Randall wins a bet. And we'll make sure that there's something for me to do if I lose a bet, not just you know, it's all about him. We'll figure that out. But if everybody or if three or more of the elite stay in AEW in a year's time from today's date, October 2nd, 2020, 
Brando must debate me on Vince Russo. Just to catch everybody up. So now we're good to go. I know you can't back out of it now because it's all over the place. <laughs> uh, like, yeah, this... I promise you. <laughs> so anyways. Let's get into it, ladies and gentlemen, shall we? AEW finally debuted. And we didn't get a opening intro like WWE does with their signature, which is fine. I'm not knocking that at all. I'm just saying we just went jump straight into the opening intro for the uh, for the show, which I thought was actually pretty cool, pretty up, pretty upbeat. The song was pretty good. The package was good. The colors and all that good stuff went straight into some pyro. Hey, yeah, us wrestling fans in pyro, we love it. And um, we get introduced to our announcing team for what I would believe is for the foreseeable future of Excalibur, Tony Schiavone, and Jim Ross. We'll get into the commentary and how we either liked or didn't like it. What worked with the work a little bit later. But let's jump straight into what happened. And the very first match on AEW Dynamite was between Cody versus Sammy Guevara. Cody gets the pin over Sammy Guevara. However, I want to let you two start off. Tell me what you thought about the match. How you like the opening. Give me your thoughts on that. We'll start with James Bealey. Go ahead. All right. So, uh, highly anticipated match. I totally forgot um, that it was the, the stipulated when the match was made official. It was the first ever match in AEW history. So, I was not expecting it to go first. But then I remembered that uh, that's what the stipulation was. Um, and I think there's no better match to start off this new adventure into television for AE, uh, AEW. I will mention that it felt like an intro, like the beginning of like a Monday night intro. So that, that was kind of cool. Um, but the match itself, it was, it was high octane. Um, I felt like that opening cut scene was a little drawn out. Um, I wish it was just kind of, it kind of felt like a pay-per-view match. Um, I don't know. That's just kind of a little downplay. The match itself was great. Um, I haven't watched Sammy Guevara wrestle ever until this match because I didn't watch the buy-in at double or nothing or any other matches he's been in. Um, so, I think he has a lot of, well, as Cody says, potential. Um, and I think they got the call right because of what happens later in the show. I think that it kind of just it builds the story it, just later on how that match ended to where it began again at the end of the show, which we'll talk about later on. I think it was just the whole 360 of it, how it fit the show from beginning to end. It it, it was it was pretty cool to see that. Something I haven't seen in a long time because of that other company. Absolutely, and I agree with you on that. Well, of course, we'll get into the ending of the show and how Sammy Guevara definitely became a major part of that ending. Um, before I give my take on the match, I'll let... Sir Randall, Randy, Randy Ramjam. 
your thoughts on this, sir. Um, so I think, uh, personally, I'm a big Sammy Guevara fan. I just like his look that, and I'm pretty sure he's built, he's built from, uh, Boston or I heard it wrong. I don't know. Uh, I just like him. I don't know what it is that I like about him. I just, I really like, um, which is really weird for me, if you know me as a, a wrestler. I don't necessarily care for these guys who flip and do all these high uh, high man, high risk maneuvers. But I like Sammy. Maybe it's the panda. I really don't know what I like about Sammy. Uh, and I really don't like Cody. I don't know what it is about Cody. Um, but I I think the call was right. Um, Sam, this was a good story just in this match of letting Sammy go over while still losing because that is an actual thing that can happen. I feel a lot of companies and a lot of matches fail at putting the loser over as well. Um, for Sammy's first big time like appearance on what would be considered a big show? Because a pre-show to me wouldn't wouldn't necessarily be a big, big thing. Not a lot of people necessarily watch the pre-show um, before his first major um, appearance to the world. Uh, he did a really good job, um, and I, I guess this is the time where I, I I'll, I'll admit I was wrong. One guarantee was wrong. No Sean Spears interference. Cody made sure to bring that up to me while we were while we were watching. Um, but we did get the whole brandy uh, brandy and interference type thing. Um, it just am I boring you that much? Hey, if you're gonna yell, mute your damn mic. <laughs> um, I just I hate to compare already, but I just feel like Cody's really pushing himself to be a Triple H and using this whole power couple thing. Cody is Triple H and Brandy as Stephanie. It's just the same. I don't know. I I hate to compare already. It's a good match. I don't want to try to down it um, at all. It was a good match to start the show. Only big thing, y'all talked about the intro. These poofing colors that come out every time they show a, 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 um, a name plate or every time they show like a match card, these colors that just poof out and like smoke clouds are going, I'm going to either, either have to learn to get used to it because they're really getting on my nerves. I don't know why. Uh, I, don't know. I, don't, I don't know why. I just, I don't, that really bothers me for some reason. Um, and coming from the perspective of someone who wants both shows, um, let me just start listening to it. This opening segment set the tone for AEW, whereas that opening segment in NXT, I'll let y'all watch it. I'm not going to give away any spoilers if y'all want to go out and watch it. It was very predictable, the outcome. Uh, and that match just felt very bland to me for the NXT side. But yeah, we'll move on. 
I mean, I, I don't I don't hate the color scheme and the whole either smoking type thing or whatever on it. Um, it is different, uh, but I think uh, I think it's just something just to try to get used to a little bit. Um, obviously, they're not going to be WWE esque and try to. It, it wanted to be a little more rough around the edges, I guess, in a way. Um, even though it's, yeah, I mean, I thought it was very well produced and everything looked really good tonight. Um, so, from the Mets' perspective, I uh, I thought it was a very good match opening the show. Um, There's a couple times throughout the match where you thought maybe Sammy would uh, was still a win here. He definitely had some uh, dominant moments in the match for sure. Um, just an absolutely. Fantastic job uh, to establish Sammy as a pretty good wrestler. Um, you know, putting him as a as a good heel already by pulling Brandy Rhodes in in front of him to uh, to uh, take the brunt of Cody's tope suicida. That that was uh, that was pretty pretty good. Um, later in the match, of course, Brandy kind of got the revenge and hit Sammy with her heel uh, outside the ring, but. What a heel turn that was. Okay. Okay. You got jokes. You got jokes. You got jokes. You brought the joke, Mr. Jokester. Oh, yeah. <laughs> brother, brother, forget with the jokes. But anyways. Um, yeah, just a bunch of you know, cool spots here left and right, and the small package won the match. Um, you know, I thought it was a pretty good opening match and a good way to get the crowd into it. Um, go ahead and open up the debut show, and I can understand where you're coming from with the whole Triple H power couple thing. Um, I just think that, um, I just think that you, while yes, Cody is kind of the spokesperson for the company and stuff like that, um, uh, the biggest thing is that the crowd really likes him. Reaction wise, you look at the crowd, you know, starting from double or nothing all the way through to all out. And then on this show, I think a lot of fans think of Cody as quote unquote, their savior that kind of started this whole thing. You know, he took the initiative back in 2018 when he um, took on the challenge from Meltzer to sell at a 10,000 seat arena for an indie company that was non WWE. And he did it. So I think with him leading the charge and kind of being that front runner on Twitter and stuff like that, that it kind of helped him become this uh, bigger superstar. And so I think that's why, uh, you know, people kind of see it that way. But, I mean, he's over. So, I mean, it's kind of hard not to to see that. But, um, you know, we'll we'll see what will happen in November for the title match if he'll, you know, become world champion and kind of put himself over or if he'll, uh, you know, to suffer a defeat with Jericho, but a good match and a good way to open up the show. Nonetheless. Um, and a nice little, uh, tribute to daddy whenever him and Tony Schiavone hugged after the nice little aftermath celebration. That was pretty nice. I bet that it was looking down at them, baby. That was very good. Very good. Thank you. Uh, so yeah. Um, the last piece before we go on to match number two, Um, I'll say that um, from the get-go, AEW did something very few 
companies that are on TV have accomplished, and that is begin a story and actually start telling a story from the beginning of the episode that continues to November. Jericho attacking Cody started the story because now you have something to build towards for the next what month, about a month exactly, um, leading to the pay-per-view where they can actually build upon something. This, If any of you have ever listened to Unhinged, when I, when I talked about AEW, my biggest thing was how are they going to build these storylines to begin the show and, and throughout the first month of the television show. Um, tonight they did that and they did it very well. So I'll give them a round of applause for that. Yeah, very good. And uh, something we forgot to mention was that Jericho did interfere after the match to send a message to Cody. And like you said, about a month away from now is when the AEW World Championship will be on the line. As long as Jericho is still champion, Cody versus Jericho. We get on to the next segment where we get MJF, Maxwell Jacob Friedman against Brandon Cutler. And uh, I think we could agree this was not the best match. You know, I don't want to say worst match of the night, but it was not match of the night at all. Um, if I'm if I'm grading these matches, this one definitely was the last one. Um, yeah. You had a nice little background into this is for those that watched the road to TNTs and being being the elite, where Cutler is this feel good story. Him and his wife are kind of in this not so good housing situation. Brandon got out of the business for a year or so, and then finally came back a little bit, helped out with the Young Bucks, and then they offered him a contract. MJF basically just crapped all over Brandon Cutler and sort of the match we had tonight. Um, first of all, it was so apparent that people knew who MJF was. Booed him as soon as he came out. It came out. He cut a fairly PG promo, but understandable. We all knew that going into TNT and even with the TV 14 rating you're not going to be able to do the same promos that you did when you weren't on TV. So, but still got under the skin of people and people wanted to see him get his ass kicked. And that did not happen. Nope. The only good thing that I really liked about this match. Uh, I mean, yeah, Brennan got a couple little good bits of in there. Um, but I like the fact that, uh, I think Tony Schiavone called MJF a prick in during the match. Right. That was pretty cool. It was funny as hell to see that. Um, I don't know if it was a botch that happened at the top rope, if it was something that we didn't catch that Brandon hurt his knee from the Tope Suicida he had and was favoring it before he got on the top rope and was going to jump and it just gave away. I'm going to call it a botch because I don't really know and I'm not watching the rerun to really tell, but um, I like the fact that they kind of went to the finish right afterwards, so it just kind of Lessened the blow, got it done over with. MJF won the match. Good decision. Um, you know, built him up as a good heel here. So, um, yeah, pretty much the only good thing about that for sure. Yep. Yeah. Um, so, this segment being that you could you could rate it probably the worst segment, and then with it being. At the same time on NXT where we have um, – I'll just give it away, y'all. I've already told you guys. Finn Balor was on NXT at this time. Um, 
probably the highlight of NXT the whole night was Finn Balor. That was the highest point of the whole night for me. Um, and so Finn Balor was on. That was my little more. And so that was going on during this MJF thing. So I really wasn't paying attention to most of it. Um, though if Finn Balor gets an NXT t- title run again, I don't know how I feel about that. Anyway, um, this segment, um, from what I did see, uh, it felt sloppy. Um, it felt, I don't know if it was jitters for both of them being that this was pro- for the most part, their first big time, uh, TV appearance. I know MJF was on, he was like backstage, did something for WWE a couple of years ago. I'm still not like the main performer. Um, it felt a little sloppy. Um, definitely not the best of the night. Still better than some other segments we can uh, that we've remembered throughout history. Can't get worse than the Shockmaster at all. Can't. I don't know if anyone anything can beat that. Um, but yeah. Damn it! I thought we were gonna be able to not have to worry about the Shockmaster, but apparently we. <laughs> Anyways, James, on to you. Oh boy, here comes Baghdad again. Damn, I thought we were gonna. I thought we were not gonna be getting you back into Baghdad, man. <sighs> anyway, because <laughs> um. Because I am an MJF fan, but the match was total shit. Um, and I don't know if it was just ring rust for Cutler or what it was. I I don't know what it was that uh, caused um, the match just to not flow. But it just it felt choppy. It felt... Um, very, I, I, I don't know what to call it. Um, that botch though, it was, I don't know if this is like part of a storyline that they're running, that Cutler got hurt or what. It, it didn't fit in with the match though. I don't know. It was kind of, I don't know. It sucks because I like MJF and I think he can be the top heel in the company. But obviously, he's going to have to stay lower mid-card, I guess, for now until he fits his place in. Yeah, and I think we're just going to – honestly, if I were if I were the, you know, Cody or Tony Khan or whoever's running the formats for the show, I would keep Brandon on as, like, your your dark match before the show to kind of get the the crowd a little hyped up, put it with somebody else, you know, get him a little more familiar with just getting back into the ring, performing in front of a big audience before putting another match on TV. I know that's the first time, and it's like, hey, it was only, you know, hey, it's, it's my first time out there. Give me another chance. But um, it's one of those things where, okay, we tried it. Not exactly the greatest thing. Now let's go back to the bottom and kind of build your way back up to there. Kind of my thing. But, so he's he slated. Uh, essentially, yeah. No, he's uh, he's the Kurt Hawkins. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good way to look at it. That's a good way. Either way, 
give him a little dark match here and there, and then build him back up to where he can do a TV spot every now and then. Or if you're going to build something with him, give it a couple weeks so that way he can get his uh, feet under him, no pun intended, and uh, go from there. <laughs> we then go to uh, an interesting spot of the show where we get a Jay and Silent Bob promo. Chris Van Vliet, who runs the uh, channel he has on YouTube, Chris, Chris Van Vliet, who uh, does a bunch of interviews with uh, professional wrestlers. I don't know if he's on. I'm sure he's done celebrities and other stuff, but um, that's where he kind of got to start was interviewing wrestlers, and he does a very good job at doing so. Good to see him. Um, I, I know that he used to work in New Jays and season stuff like that, so this is not like such some wrestling, random wrestling fan who has a good look to him that we could just put on camera. The dude actually has some um, – Tele telecasting behind him. Um, so he came out there, and and I think what AEW is trying to go for is a little bit of a raw, edgier, almost kind of an MMA type feel. Where MMA will do the same thing if they see celebrities in there, they'll promote them either for their upcoming movies because you'll see on the mats for UFC events or something like that, or Bellator or whatever. They've got like um, either you know a gaming store or a energy drink. 7-Eleven, food companies, fast food companies, movies, whatever it is. So I have all sorts of sponsorship all over the place. So um, I think they're trying to give it that feel that celebrities are coming out to watch this and they're trying to interact with stuff like that. It is kind of a WWE-esque, but hey, anything to get your name out there and get more eyes watching the show. Um, Jericho is in the movie for the reboot of Jay and Silent Bob. So kind of definitely correlates with the show. Um, they get into an argument with Angelico and Jack Evans. Why these two? I don't know. Whatever. Um, uh, they talk trash. The private party came out to protect uh, Jay and Silent Bob. Um, and that kind of ended the segment. <laughs> yeah, I think they were trying to promote the tag team tournament. It, again, just didn't... It didn't work in my opinion um, the, the whole movie idea is fine especially since Jericho's in it whatever but uh, yeah very awkward and Helico and Jack Evans aren't even in the tag team to begin with right I don't know I feel like they could have used the Luchas the, the Jurassic Express since literally every other team got a chance except the Dark Order the Dark Order and Jurassic Express were not on this show at all so it kind of sucked that we didn't get to see these other two tag teams to at least get the fans familiar with them. But, uh, yeah, it's just an overall awkward segment. Um, do, do we really want to talk any more about that or just kind of? I will say, real quick, I'll, I will say, um, I'm assuming the tag, the first, I think it's one match per episode for the tag team thing. Um, so next week, I know next week is the Young Buck in the um, the private party, right? Um, yeah, you got. I think what's going to happen. I could be wrong. I, I know that they had the on the brackets. They have the cities that these matches will happen, but they were kind of small, so you really couldn't see right. it except for the finals. I think the next week you're going to have two matches. The following week is going to be two matches. The twenty third. Um, it's going to have maybe the two semifinals. And then, um, actually, no, it's just going to be two matches next week. 
there's only one match in the first round on the other bracket because the Dark Order's got to buy. Um, I think they'll do that. And then the 23rd, I know that Jericho's supposedly defending his title from promotional stuff. And then I don't know if they're going to have the two semifinals then or do the semifinals in Charleston. Uh, of course, the finals are in Charleston, but I don't know the whole correlation of it. But either way, yeah, the Young Bucks and Private Party are scheduled for next week. So what I would do if Jurassic Express or, um, of course, the Dark Order won't fight in the first round, you have to get them on TV next week, in my opinion. That way you can at least know. I mean, for the most part, we know who Jurassic Express is. If you've watched it, for the fans who haven't watched um, any of the pay-per-views leading up, though, we have to introduce them uh, to the the new TV crowd. and I think you have to do it next week. Just that way, you just don't throw them onto a an episode uh, to a match, and no one knows who they are. So this is my take. I agree with that. I definitely agree with that. Um, James, any more comment before we move on? Nope, we can move on. All right, good enough with me. We uh, then go to a um, couple more two teams that are going to be in the tag team tournament. SCU does a quick promo outside the White House. I thought it was actually pretty good. Uh, Scorpio Sky does a fantastic President Barack Obama impression. For a second, if you want me to be honest on this, I thought he was dubbing like it was like an Obama talk and he was just lip syncing to it. But then it started talking about like wrestling and I was like, Obama wouldn't talk about wrestling. So. Yeah, yeah, he did a pretty good impression of him. Um, Daniels and Frankie Kazarian as a secret service. That was pretty cool. whole thing was pretty good. And then we come to the arena where uh, uh, Daniels and Kazarian will be the two that are going to be teaming, which is interesting, considering I thought, I thought it'd be Sky and Kazarian. But give it to the Daniels and Kazarian who have been teaming with each other longer than Sky has been with the group, so it makes a little more sense. Um, and uh, as they finish talking, here comes the Lucho Brothers. Um, reminded the crowd that they are the best tag team in the universe, where we always get a fantastic spot where we get Pentagon Jr. saying his most famous line say it with me, Cero Miedo. Anyways, um, cool little brawl here. You saw Pentagon Jr.'s shirt get kind of ripped off, so it kind of added a little more legitimacy to it, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, so we tweeted about the whole AEW security was better than WWE's. I don't know if that's the case, but uh, it made it look like, okay, we need to really get this under control and stuff like that. So um, thoughts on that segment as a whole? We'll start with James first. I, I don't know. Everything after the MJF match, and I don't know if it was because, like, Cutler was hurt, but it seemed like they ran – the weird promo with Silent Bob and them, and then they went to commercial, and then they went to the SCU thing, and then they went to commercial. There were a lot of commercials in this, like, five-minute segment. Um, so I don't know if they were, like, getting everything ready for the women's title match or what it was or if that's just where their commercial slots are for this show. But it seemed like in this part of the show was when most of the commercials were taking place. Um, I know it's a small thing, but just something that I caught. Also, um, you caught Tony Schiavone. He 
almost slipped and said another wrestling promotion. I couldn't quite catch if he was saying WCW. You thought he may have meant to say MLW because he was the commentator for MLW at one point in time. So maybe. Breaking news. Uh, Capitals just won their very first game in overtime. Um, yeah. Thanks, Jacob Vrana. <laughs> hey, heck yeah. I love that man. I love that kid. My girlfriend is messaging me, telling me the scoring updates. She was like, I fucking love that kid because Vrana's on her fantasy team. Go oh, figure. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> anyways, continue on. But I just want to quickly throw that in there. Shout out to you, Haley, for giving us the score updates and uh, for drafting Jacob Vrana. Um, anyway, um, yeah, so just a little bit of a, a slip up there. Uh, the only time Shivani made any kind of gaffe, I think, the entire night. Small thing. Something I caught, something I was like, was he trying to say WCW? Um, but uh, otherwise, um, I wanted to just take a second. This commentary team that they set up here, I think, has been their best combination of talent, uh, commentary talent. I like the way Ross, good old JR, works. And obviously, he's had years of time working and being in the business with Shivani and Excalibur is kind of like the 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 new guy, but he still meshes very good with these two. Um, and I like how the commentary team isn't heel face like it is on WWE, where like like we'll see on Friday, Renee is the face and Corey is the heel and Michael Cole. Because he's color, he's gonna or play by play, he's gonna have to stay down the middle. Um, and then your co- two colors are heel face. I like how the commentary team was just kind of like a commentary team. Um, it, again, it gives it that more sportsy feel that AEW is trying to push. But uh, yeah, this just kind of between the MJF match and the Nyla Rose match, the title match. I don't know, there were a lot of commercials, and I guess that was promo time for them, and so I just, I don't know, not knocking on it, but definitely kind of confusing on why they ran like 50% of their commercials in this time frame. Well, um, I'll start out and say, uh, I think this why. While you were not necessarily complaining about the commercials, I think it was a smart idea to put them at this time. That way, when your more important things happen, you only... I think they cut the commercial twice during the main event and once or twice during the women's match, which helped. And and those commercials, for the most part, were the side-by-side. So you didn't have to cut the flow of the match. I think that's why they did it here. Um, but it, and for the actual segment, it pays to be creative. I've been saying forever now that WWE needs to start doing promos outside of the arena. This SCU promo was excellent. Um, I just like SCU as a team. They're my favorite tag team on this roster. Um, Scorpio not being one of the P 
people in the match makes me wonder if we'll see him do any single action during this time or if he's more so just going to um, be ringside with the SCU guys during the tag team part. Um, but it is, like Cody said, it is kind of weird. Normally, Daniels is the one who doesn't wrestle and it's Frankie and Scorpio. Um, but they they they're using the whole experience thing that of the tag team between uh, Daniels and Kazarian. Um, the whole brawl scene. I think it was a it was good. Malenko looked out of place. He about fell like three times. Um, he just he's got Alzheimer's. He didn't know where he was. <laughs> um, he just. I don't uh, – It was, that just made me laugh. Um, when I looked up from my phone and looked at the TV screen and saw Malenko just trying to figure out if he should attack uh, Pentagon or Frankie, and I just looked up like, oh, Jesus, Malenko doesn't know what he's doing right now. Um, by the way, this was during the, – the longest match of the entire night for both promotions was the Mia Yim – Io Shirai match on NXT, which literally felt like it took an hour and a half. It was the longest match I think I've ever watched in my life. It was only about twenty. It was only about twenty minutes, but it just seemed like it went on forever. Anyway, um, but yeah, for this segment, this little block in time, uh, a good. It was good to get from one match to the next match. Um, again, entered. But this being the premiere, you have to introduce a lot of your teams and a lot of your main talent. Um, so I liked it. Nothing to knock on. We can move on. Yeah, I mean that's that's the whole thing. You know, it's just some filler time. And like James said, I don't know if this is kind of a filler thing because of Brandon Cutler's little thing, and it kind of cut the match short. Or whatever the case was, I thought this was kind of a little dis discombobulated a little bit. But um, at the same time, this is our first ever show on TNT. So on online television, you got to learn as you go, and you just kind of go with the flow. So um, I'm sure from the from episode two on, probably a little bit more smoother, but it may also give that forced edge of what's going on kind of here type of thing. But either way, um, we get to our next match, which uh, – and before we get to that, I love that whole side-by-side thing. I know that SmackDown did it on USA for a bit. I hope they kind of continue to do that. I loved it. Um Definitely made you feel like you were a part of the action. And some of the bigger spots happen in some of these side by side. So it's like, so it's like, oh shit, I really need to stay and watch the actual thing. Yeah, <laughs> I don't need right. to get up because it's like, oh, usually they just take a little bit of a break here. I can go and get something to eat or something like that. No, you have to literally wait until the actual commercials come on, which aren't, which are few and far in between because of that. But anyways, we get to our next match, which uh, was a match I was definitely looking forward to once they announced it, even though it was only announced I think a week or so before the show. Pack versus Hangman Adam Page. This match was interesting. This match had a little bit of everything. It had some slow spots, had some definitely some high spots, some physicality, um, some, definitely a lot of stiffness. That's for sure. Um, interesting decision, and I mentioned this on the on the preview podcast. I didn't know how to call this match because, yeah. Pack with his kind of uh, selfish kind of ways where it's like 
he's not going to lose for a while. On the same token, this is Adam Page. You know, just came off a loss for the AEW World Championship. Is he going to be kind of going to a little bit of a slide here, or is he kind of going to kind of rebound and start to solidify himself again as the next number one contender after full gear? But we got our answer tonight, where Hack defeated Hangman Page by submission. Um, uh, first of all, the Black Arrow, I thought was kind of really not only stiff but kind of brutal because Hangman kind of lifted his body up a little bit and it was to the back and not the front where the stomach was on Hangman's back. He kind of got up a little bit and when Pack landed on him, it was kind of a cool little spot there. And then Pack just went straight into the brutalizer. Ring of Saturn, whatever you want to call it, um, where Paige, uh, Paige was basically defenseless. Errol Henry called the bell, and uh, Pack defeats Hangman Page, and I thought it was a pretty good match. Um, I, I think this definitely could have been a little bit better, and I think that they're going to save it if they ever fight on a pay-per-view or something like that, or a little more stakes involved. I think we would see a little bit longer of a match and a little bit uh, more offense from the two. But um, I didn't think it was a bad match, so... Uh, what do you guys think about this? Start with Randall first. So, this was the point in the match where my dinner made me fall asleep. I had ribs and steak for dinner, guys. It was so good. Brought to you by O'Charlie's. Um, and delivered by Postmates. Thank you to my Postmate driver. Who, uh, did a good job. Uh, anyway. I fell asleep during this match, mostly because in between the little SCU and tag team at Brawl on the big screen, I looked down on the small screen on my phone and Gargano and uh, what's his name? Uh, Shane Thorne um, were fighting in that match with Brawl as hell. So um, I fell asleep. Uh, woke up and this match was over and I was in the middle of the women's title title match. So from this point to the women's title match, I have nothing to say because I don't remember anything that happened. So, Sir Hamates. All right. Um, I kind of called this. I think if I remember correctly in the previous show um, that Pac was going to win. I think we talked about this match. I'm, I remember talking about how when they did this match again, Pac was going to win. And I feel like what they did was they were like, you know what, we're going to have this match on the episode, the debut episode, and we're going to give the fans what we promised. There's no stakes, so we're okay with giving Pac a win. Now, here's my question, and I don't know if we have the answers, but we're probably going to have to wait until we watch next week and the week after and so forth. With how the ma- the show ended, we kind of established the top heels and the top faces of the company, right? Or the elite and then the top heels. Um, so with Pac, I mean... 
hopefully the people that are listening to this know what the ending is. But he wasn't part of this ending. So is he a top heel as well? Is he going to get a title shot? Or is he just going to ran check through the mid-card? Um, will we see a mid-card title? Some questions that I'm thinking after this is, what are they going to do to uh, push Pack as a dominant heel? Where does Adam Page go from here? He loses to Jericho. At all out for the title. He loses to Pac on the debut episode. So two very important matches. And he loses both of them. Where does he go from there? Does he start to doubt if he really is made to be a top superstar? Um, so I think while the match wasn't, I guess what you can call pay-per-view quality. I think if they had a pay-per-view match together, they would get a pay-per-view quality match. But since it was just kind of like a a mid-card match just on the show, it fit what it needed to be. But it also leaves the, the fan wondering, where are they going to go? Where's Pat going to go? Where's Paige going to go? Are they going to continue this feud? Are they going to fight again? Wins and losses, does this kind of kick Paige down to the lower mid-card? How does that affect? And then at least in my opinion, in my mind, I'm thinking, are they going to introduce a, a uh, mid-card title soon? Because there's a lot of superstars battling. And, you know, you kind of can't just have the AEW title and everybody racing for that. You kind of have to build some mid-card stuff going on. Yeah, and that's interesting. We'll kind of see where Paige is going to go from here, um, especially with Pack Two. You got to think that now he's going to start to get himself into a title picture, since now he's two and zero since uh, rejoining from a, uh, AEW. So it's going to be interesting to see where this goes on from here, especially as we head towards full gear and out of full gear. What's going to happen for sure? And even if they make a make card title, you know, who's going to start to uh, – how the rankings going to fall in, in, in regards to that, who's going to be an end, all that good stuff. But uh, we go from that to our semi-main event of the night, which was the AEW Women's Championship. Riho versus The Beast, Nyla Rose. And I don't know if it's just me, and I swear to God, I, I am not attracted to her at all. But it seems like the past two times Nyla Rose is coming out, all out, and then now she's looked more like a female. <laughs> the hormone treatments work, man. I'm telling you, evidently. And, uh, you know, once again, I said it before, you know, I have nothing against transgender people. You are what you are. Just don't bother me. Don't shove it down my throat. Uh, Literally. So, yeah. <laughs> 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 Some people had a big issue with this match because one's not a female biologically or was, I don't know. And then the other one is a child. Um, <laughs> Literally. <laughs> we had, uh, we, we got it on AEW basically. Um, this was, <laughs> this was a really interesting match. It really was. Um, I kind of expected the whole, you know, 
Rio kind of starts out kind of quick. Nyla dominates a little bit. Rio starts to fight back, tries to get a couple of sneaky pins. Nyla doesn't, you know, fall for it or almost gets pinned. And then we maybe go to a big finish where Nyla wins the match. Well, we got to that part. And then we get to the point where Nyla sets up a bunch of chairs base of the stage in front of the ring does a flip from the apron to the chairs that was a pretty sick spot she missed Riho moved out of the way uh, Riho hits an avalanche northern lights suplex from the t- second row and then just need the shit out of Nyla three times or two times and got the one two three and Riho is your first ever AEW women's champion Um, this marks the second time Riho has pinned Nyla one, two, three in the middle of the ring. She's two and zero against Nyla Rose, and I believe she's still undefeated. And Nyla Rose, credit to where credits due, they didn't give her the championship at her hometown, and with a losing record, did not become champion. So I think this was the right decision for the winner. I wouldn't have booked Riho or Nyla to be my women's champion inaugurally from my perspective but I'm not ready to show so I think they did get this decision right and uh, uh, Britt Baker was on commentary for this which is pretty cool, good to see Britt um, uh, just an interesting concept there and the post-match crap with Rio with uh, Nyla powerbombing or uh, attacking Riho and then uh, almost killing Michael Nakazawa um, uh Nyla then set up a DVD on the ring apron, but then Kenny came out to rescue Riho, and uh, that whole thing happened. Uh, first of all, not really sure why Nakazawa needed to do a, an interview in Japanese. Um, save it for backstage, in my opinion. They got, but, the, uh, they got the wrong Naka. They needed Nakamura. It doesn't matter who they had. Nakamura, Nakasaki, <laughs> Naka, Nakamakawaku. It don't matter who it was. It, it wasn't going to work. But anyways... Um, I thought it was a fun match, though. The crowd was definitely into mm-hmm. it. And like I said, with the side-by-side stuff, there was a huge spot in the match that was on the side-by-side. And I am not going to lie to you, I didn't see it. I kind of looked down for a second and looked back up. And when I looked back up, the crowd was going crazy. I'm like, what the hell just happened? Because people are, people are going to be expecting uh, a side-by-side commercial and they go grab something to eat. Nothing's going to happen too crazy. This proves don't miss a second of it if it's side-to-side because something is going to happen. Um, on to Randall, since uh, you had no idea what was going on with the page match, um, we'll let you talk about the AEW Women's Championship match. Um, so, upon waking up from my my nice nap and seeing the beautiful Britt Baker, what a way to wake up. Anyway, um, when Britt was on commentary, I was like, you know, in my mind, you're like, "Oh, this is this is this is easy. Nyla's going to win." They did not pull the WWE formula because that's the WWE formula. Of course, you know Nyla was going to win if this was WWE because Britt Baker's on commentary and she's going to interfere. Glad they didn't pull this. Um, the match itself, I I enjoyed. Um, I just had a thought though. While you were you were doing your whole talking, you know what? 
I wonder what would happen, how the internet wrestling community would react if we gave Becky Lynch's gimmick to Nyla Rose. She is the man. Yeah, yeah. To be quite honest with you, I think that would work. But I don't know. It, it'd make more sense than Becky Lynch. It's just, I, I, agree I, agree. With that. I would definitely agree with that. Um, but um, congratulations to Riho. Um, she's been one of the few women on the roster that I have enjoyed. Um, though there was a moment in this match where she tried to suplex Nyla Rose and her knees gave out that I thought she didn't have knees no more. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, the whole match, you know, the, the ending was weird because they were panning away um, through the crowd and I saw someone fall, go into the ring. This was when Nakazawa was getting in the ring. And in my head, I was like, who the hell is this random guy getting in the ring? And I'm just glad he didn't pull baby oil out. I'm just glad that didn't happen. Um, I don't know what that whole thing was about. That was confusing. Um, And I feel this spot was, at least to me, weird to have Kenny come out right before his match. He literally ran down to the ring, commercial break, went backstage, and then came right back out after commercial. It was weird to me. Um, at least like a weird spot, um, but it made sense if you knew the backstory of Omega. He has a thing for Japanese people. Um, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just because he's lived in Japan for like the last 10 years. I'm joking, like three. But, um, but yeah, not again, not a bad segment. What wasn't my favorite of the night, but uh, pretty good. All right, my turn. Um, yeah, well, you kind of stole my joke. I was going to tell when it was my turn. I was going to say, uh, when Nyla Rose did that flip into the chair, she took it like a man. Um, but you ruined that for me. So let's just get talking about the match. Um, like Cody said with the side-by-side, I kind of watched the match a little bit. And I think the if I can remember because the screen is so small that I couldn't really see the, the bump. But I think I know what part he's talking about. But there was a point when Nyla Rose kind of had her in a – it looked kind of like the accolade but wasn't the accolade or whatever. Uh, the Iron Cheek had it called when he used the move. Cobra Clutch. That thing. Um, and I was like, the ref, you got to call the match. She's going to die. And they were literally sitting there for like a minute in this move. And, uh, yeah, ref, call the match. How has she, how has she not died yet? Um, but it was a good match. Um, I would say... Out of the five matches, this was the third best in-ring ability-wise. But, I mean, you have a 200-pound lady and then somebody that weighs the size of my left thigh um, 
fighting each other. Uh-oh. <laughs> you're going you're gonna to have a little bit of choppy wrestling. But in my opinion, it kind of made it seem more entertaining, the fact that she almost tore both of her ACLs trying to suplex uh, Nyla Rose. Um, and I like the ending where Riho wins. And if you get the backstory, Riho, when Kenny fought intergender or intergender tag team matches, usually his tag team partner was Riho in Japan. So, and uh, Kenny was the person who recruited Riho to AEW, offered her the contract and all of that. So Kenny and Riho are like best friends. So that's cool that he came down to save her from apparent doom. Um, now, I wonder how they're going to decide who the number one contender for the women's uh, title is going to take place. So everybody just going to throw somebody in there, kind of like Cody, or or how's that going to work? I, I wanna, I'm wondering how that's going to take place, if they're going to just have matches and whoever gets hot gets a title match. That's the thing with this sports entertainment mindset. It's really hard to kind of see who the number one contender is, but it also makes it interesting to see. Maybe next week we'll see something take place that changes the effect of the card, and card is always subject to change. Um, Which, so, I think Full Gear has, what, two matches already scheduled, and they have a month left to build the rest of the card. So, um, they almost have the same amount of matches as WWE has for Hell in a Cell, which is in four days, if you guys want to know. But they only have three confirmed matches. So, uh, AEW is is ahead of the curve, I guess. But a decent match. And uh, it, it made me excited for the main event. It kept me energized, kept me into it. Some good bumps. And uh, ultimately, I believe it's the right decision. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what uh... – what happens with the number one contendership as we get towards the pay-per-view in November. Um, yeah, I don't, uh, I don't know how they're going to decide that. You know, I don't think Nyla should be uh, anywhere near the number one contendership just because not only has she, I think she has a losing record in singles competition or in general, she's been pinned at least two or three times. Um, but, uh, you know, she just lost a championship match, so that should kind of knock you down the ladder a little bit. New contenders should pop up, whatever. But, of course, they need to make a little bit of sense, whether it's record-wise and are going to continue with that theme or uh, whatever the case may be. But we now get to our main event in the evening. Six-man tag match. The Elite, Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks versus... Chris Jericho and Santana and Ortiz. Um, they did announce this the night before in the countdown to AEW on TNT, where um, basically Santana and Ortiz came in after All Out and th- said congratulations to Jericho, thanked him, and that kind of sparked the interest, and Jericho made them his tag team partners for tonight's main event. Um, 
does Ortiz have a problem upstairs in his brain? Uh, he's about five dollars short of uh of. He's about he's missing a couple dollars up there, most definitely. Uh, yeah, whether it's maybe, whether it's a couple dollars, whether it's a few fries short of the Happy Meal, whether it's a few feet away from the border, something is off. <laughs> Shit! Look, he's Puerto Rican. He's a legal citizen by birth. Um, that joke isn't funny, but that's okay. uh, <laughs> that's okay. he, he could still be. Uh, it could be any border. Canadian border, you're right. Border. You're right. South you're right. border restaurant. Um, maybe it's all the um, what the hell do they call those matches in TNA? Barbed wire, whatever matches that he's been in. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, but either way, the reason why I ask is because this guy uh, flicks his tongue around a lot, and uh, not that I want to see that, but I don't think it's Gene Simmons type of tongue. So keep it in your mouth. Bro. I said the same thing about Sammy Guerrero at the beginning of the show. Just I don't get why you're sticking your tongue out. Yeah. You just keep it in your mouth. <laughs> I don't want to see what you said. Um well anyways, we get to the match. Um this match had all sorts of good stuff. Um had a little bit of action and whatnot. And uh Throughout the whole night, I kept wondering to myself, they'd said John Moxley was appearing live, and he hasn't appeared live yet. <laughs> About five minutes into the match, when John Moxley came through the crowd and uh, took Kenny Omega for a wild ride uh, through not only the ring, the crowd, and then went to the VIP area that's in Capital One Arena, where uh, I saw a dude in a Capital shirt in the backstage. I saw you. Congratulations, sir, for being on TV. Uh, and Delivered a, a DDT, Dirty Deeds. I don't know what he calls it now. That's it's not Dirty Dirty Deeds. I don't know what he calls it. But uh, delivered his GD, his patented DDT through a glass coffee table. Obviously, that was the spot of the night. That was the reaction of the night. That was one of the best moments of the night. Um, yeah, I think Kenny's going to be picking glass out of his head for about a week. Yeah. Um, Just a quick joke, real quick, before I forget it. Uh, I think uh, I think uh, that dirty deeds is something Kenny needs to clean up. He did have a mop that he hit over his head, so I think you're onto something. Second, secondly, uh, this was another um, point where someone like Tony Schiavone should have said, "Oh my God, you killed Kenny." You, I'm, I'm gonna. You gotta say it at least once. I'm gonna bring it up every show until they say it. All out, I could see it happening because he faced the bastard pack tonight. I don't think it would have mattered, even if it, it looked more like he did get killed because he had to go into a coffee table, but or a glass table. But speaking with Mr. Moxley, you owe Capital One Arena a coffee table. Um, you, uh, good luck with that. AEW's going to oh, uh, Capital One Arena a new coffee table that they'll find at the uh, local Ikea. Um, <laughs> yeah, so John Moxley ran in to pull a makeup from the match and sparked a wild brawl around the arena. Um, we get back to the match where um, there's a three-on-two. The Young Bucks were left to defend themselves against Santana Ortiz and Jericho. Um, uh, Nick Jackson gets inside and has an awesome, amazingly athletic high-flying spot just all over the place. Um, 
and then set up a what was going to be the Young Bucks finisher, the best Meltzer ever, in which Jericho cut it off by hitting a code breaker. That code breaker is almost like an RKO out of nowhere now. That thing is is pretty awesome how he uses it. Um, the Judas effect, which is that uh, running back elbow, followed, and uh, Jericho got the pin. Um, and then the good fun stuff happens afterwards. Right. And this is where AEW must have heard my podcast or heard something because we uh, I had said for a couple episodes, while I'm an AEW supporter, I'm all the way for them. They need something that they have been lacking for a while, and that was heels. And tonight, my friends, we got heels. Uh, a lot of them. Uh, yes, there's basically a faction now. Um, I don't know if you would consider Moxley a heel yet or not. I, maybe you do. But he wasn't. He wasn't at the end, was he? It was just the five guys. No, he he didn't come back out. So, so first of all, um, the end of the match happens, and so a bunch of mayhem. Uh, three on two. Jericho Santana Ortiz beat the shit out of uh, the Young Bucks. Here comes Cody. Kind of expected that he beats up Jericho a little bit, and here comes Sammy Guevara. Which is kind of interesting, just considering what happened. Um, you wouldn't think that they would have anything carrying over, but it kind of made sense. I'm glad he came back out. Um, it wasn't, you know, a random heel or something like that. Um, so, so, so Guevara hit, kicked Cody in the balls, basically, which came out big for the Dustin. Half painted face and all, come out to clean house. And then the surprise of the night. We the people, back from MMA, Bellator-wise, and former superstar in WWE, Jack Swagger, now known as Jake Hager, made his All Elite Wrestling debut. He hit a spinebuster on Dustin. He threw somebody through the smallest TV table in the world. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, the five-man team just kind of put the baby faces in the middle of the ring, just kind of laying out. They all raise their hands, smugging, smugging and smiling at the camera and end the show. Um, we'll first get to the match and then talk about what happened afterwards, if you can. Uh, there's a lot went on here, so uh, we'll kind of break it down as much as we can. So start with the match first, and then we'll get to the uh, uh, afterwards. Whoever wants to start. I'll start. Um I thought, so, the match was great from the beginning. There was a lot of energy. I think this was a good choice to be main event, and Cody called it right that it was going to be the main event on his preview show. Um, the the idea to have Moxley return and take Omega out of the match, in my opinion, makes sense, because now you're able to con- continue leading up to full gear where it's Moxley Omega. Um, and so now they can build this feud. And I liked how commentary mentioned Omega's kind of mental breakdown. Um, and it, it, it kept that real. We don't know um, who the heel is or who the face is in this feud. It's just kind of like two people that want to kick each other's ass and 
it's an exciting feud, and I can't wait to see the the match at full gear. Um, and I'll pay fifty bucks to watch it. Um, I also liked so if this was something that's like WWE, they would have basically stopped the entire match to have this feud go on, and then they'd end. Um, They'd end the little side feud with Moxley and uh, Omega, and then they would go to commercial break and then just act like the match was resumed. And I liked how commentary was like, well, we still have a match going on, and while Omega's getting his ass kicked, the Young Bucks are getting their ass kicked too by uh, Santana and Ortiz and Jericho. Um, So just the... Ability to put on two things at once and multitask uh, with storyline is great, and I like that. Um, I think the finish was great, and obviously you can't get to the extracurriculars without Jericho getting the pin. So uh, I think it was a great finish. Everybody got their spots in, and uh, you get to see kind of this continued breakdown of Kenny Omega of where it seems like he's just going to totally have a mental just self-destruction and I hope we get to see like the the bad side of Kenny Omega come out and shine and uh, I think that match with uh, Moxley is going to be probably one of the best matches of that entire pay-per-view but this match I think it was the best match of the night and uh it deserved that main main uh, event status. All right. So, um, the match was good. Again, it it was one of those where, being the debut show, it gave new fans the opportunity to learn the style and to appreciate everyone's individual um, styles. Um, It introduced to the people who didn't watch Impact Santana and Ortiz um, to a a wider market of people. Because I don't know about you, I didn't watch Impact while they were there. Um, And so it was cool to see them. Uh, Their style is very unique. Um, The Young Bucks, of course, very, uh, very, very unique style. I actually enjoyed a Young Bucks match. Really did. Um, Normally their style gets on my nerves, but I enjoyed it. It was very fast-paced, which kept up with the chaos that went on with Mox to the end. Uh, Omega, that whole thing happened. Um, And then they went back to the match, and it was just fast-paced again. So you really couldn't calm your heart rate down from Moxley just putting Omega through a table. And that that high spot, then high spot after high spot was going on in the ring. So you really couldn't calm down. That was cool. Um, Then Jericho hit the code breaker. Um... Which, like Cody said, is now becoming like the out of nowhere move. Um, I will say, 
Jericho's learned for just learning the uh, spinning elbow, um, which he calls the Judas effect. Uh, the only person I think that does it in the industry that I've seen better than him is Andrade. Um, Jericho's picked up on that move pretty fast. Um, and to me, it's a leg- it's a legitimate finisher. Um, good call to get him the win. Um, and then, uh, you, you know, the, the stuff that happened after the match happened, and we'll talk about that after Cody, uh, gives us his, his opinion on this match. Yeah, I mean, I liked the match. I thought it was good. Um, like you said, it kind of kept up with the chaos that was going outside the ring, so that was pretty cool. Um, I think I almost had an aneurysm when you said you enjoyed a Young Bucks match. That was, um... <laughs> Unbelievable that you said that. But, uh, yeah, you know, it introduced people to a bunch of different styles. Jericho, of course, is not going to be the flippy guy, but he does have his style that works for him. Um, Santana and Ortiz have a specific style that's that's, uh, unique to their tag team, which includes planking on somebody, which is kind of cool looking, I guess. Um, Of course, the Young Bucks are this flashy, high-spy type of team, but their style is their style. Um I, uh, you know, I, I, like you said, with Jericho learning the Judas effect, he I think after using it a couple times, that's when he starts to pick up on how to use it, how it can be effective, how people, as soon as you hit it, it's like, oh, oh, that's it. And I think so far since he's used it, he's not, nobody's kicked out of it, which is what it should do is build up the finisher to know that if that goes on, you ain't getting out of it, essentially. So um, it's good to see that. And uh, this whole match, post-match beatdown uh, was interesting because it kind of separated the heels and the baby faces. Um, so now we have some, we at least have five legitimate heels, and that's great. We're getting somewhere here. I think you can also put in Helico and Jack Evans into the mix as heels. So we're finally starting to separate the goods from the bads and whatnot. You can be this different entity in the sports-based thing, and it's great. But you still got to have some of these characters that people can invest into because it's not like even in MMA, UFC, Bellator, whatever, people still have characters. Some people are, you know, all of them are still badass and, you know, can probably beat either one of us within three seconds. But people legitimately hate some of these fighters. Like people hate McGregor for some of the stuff he does. Yeah, they, they hate him. Some people or, love McGregor. Or like even in boxing everyone hates Mayweather because he, he's the, he flashes his wealth and, and he plays that character. So you hate, you hate while the same way, like you said, McGregor, everyone loves Pacquiao. Exactly. And so you're right. Even being this whole sports based pro programming, you still gotta have your good guys and your bad guys. Uh, just like, I, I don't know how to pronounce the Russian dude that everyone hates now. Um, in uh, UFC, his Khabib, I think, is his first name. Everyone, yeah. hates, everyone hates him now, um, for for good reason. But you, you got to have your good guys, and you got to have your bad guys. Exactly, and that's not to say that one of those sports is better than wrestling or anything like that. But it just goes to show that you have your characters. There are they are who they are, and that's what it's supposed to be about. It's just supposed to invest into these guys, these gals, these characters to understand. I don't like him for whatever reason, or I do like her or him or for whatever reason. Um, however, 
while all this is great, and I'm interested to see how Jack Hager is going to fit into all of this, see how he's going to come back into the ring, make an impact and stuff like that. I have a question. Where was MJF? You brought up my point. My whole point. MJF is a heel, right? Supposed to be. Supposedly. His best friend is Cody Rhodes. Supposedly. Where's his... Right. So, um, this goes to my point. The turn that I was actually hoping for was MJF, because he played on it at was I think it was all out after Cody's match. Yep. He 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 sort of held the chair and looked like he was going to attack him, and then he put it back down. Is he going to help Cody? Are we going to get a face turn, which would ultimately ruin that whole character, in my opinion? Um, or are we going to have him attack Cody? So, um. So that was that was the same question I had. I'm sure you were thinking the same thing. Yeah, and I know James, you have. A, I'm sure you have a lot to say, and I'm hoping we're not still on every single point that you're going to be making. But uh, <laughs> my my biggest thing, I I think this all plays up to the pay per view. I think each and every single week, uh, you know, maybe not every single week, but at least most of these weeks leading up to the pay per view. Maybe Cody and the rest of maybe the announcers and whomever is going to say, where were you at? I thought you were Cody's best friend and this and that. And he's going to either make up excuses or whatever. And I think we get that heel turn at the pay-per-view, the full heel turn at the pay-per-view. But that's still a month away. We'll get to that, of course, when the time comes. Um, James, you've been quiet because we've been talking for a little bit. So let's have the floor. You know, what's your thoughts on the whole thing was the debut of Jay, Jake Haker? Or anything else that you may uh, want to add here? Oh, I was so happy, so happy to see Jake Hager, aka Jack Swagger, back in a wrestling ring. Um, but fun points that so I pulled out my iPad. I wanted to look up uh, Jake Hager on the Wikipedia's. He is currently. The uh, Lucha Underground champion under the name Jake Strong. He was tag team partners with Sammy Guevara in Lucha Underground. So do they reform a team? Um, Where does Hager fit into the whole picture here? I like to see him in AEW. There was rumors that he was going to sign. Does he, well, obviously with him running as his real name, Jake Hager, um, and AEW and Jake Strong and Lucha Underground, does he kind of, um, does he drop the Lucha title uh, all the way and fully commit to AEW? Uh, or what happens? Lucha Underground there? even still exists? Uh, yes, it does, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, and, uh, so it's interesting to see that was with some side points. My, my father walked into the room that we were watching the TV on and, uh, they had just gotten home from my brother's, uh, varsity soccer game where he played 
or about a minute and a half. Um, but anyway, he Dean Ambrose is what he called him. I said, no, that's John Moxley. This is a different show. Um, he's like, isn't that the guy that used to play in WWE? Um, and he said the same thing about Cody and the same thing about Jack Swagger. But uh, it's Jake Hager, and I'm happy to finally get to cheer on him again because I'm not a big fan of Bellator or any of that other mixed martial arts stuff. I'm not going to pay to watch that uh, take place. Um, so my question is, where does this story lead? So obviously you have, what's it, five main people of the elite. They had Dustin there, Cody, the Bucks, um, and Dustin, Cody, the elite. And I think they have one other person there as well. Um, and then they have Guevara, the two LAX members, Guevara and Hager, and one other heel. I know it was like five on five. Um, are they going to push this as like going against the, I guess you can call it authority figures in the elite. I want to know where this story leads. Are they going to split it with feuds? Um, I don't know. It just, it, it makes me excited to see what's going on. We have Jake Hager, Jack Swagger back in a main wrestling company. And, uh, that's how they ended the show and I wonder honestly my last thought that entered my mind was I hope Vince McMahon is not shitting his pants because the way the crowd reacted to that entire thing that that move right there might be a shot heard around the world for AEW to push its way up the ladder a little bit. Not saying they're going to completely defeat WWE because of the move, but it gives them a little bit more momentum to compete side by side in, in ratings. Especially with, from what I understand, NXT was kind of a, a drag today. Um, again, I didn't watch a single minute of it, but with the action packed of everything going on in AEW, I wonder how that affects the slot for NXT and the ratings and all of that. But overall, I enjoyed the entire segment. Yeah, I think that, uh, yeah, I'm definitely interested in seeing where this whole thing goes next week. I'm interested to see what happens from here on out. The best thing about this is that NXT and AEW were the top two trends for the whole two hours, um, which is a great thing, which means that people are watching, people are tuning in. So, um, you know, I, I think we can expect this every single Wednesday to have AEW versus w or NXT be the top two trends, and it's going to be interesting to see who's number one, who's number two, all that good stuff. Um, so it's going to be a very, 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 very nice ride that we're about to go on. It's only week one, and, uh, you know, it's going to get bigger and bigger and better and better as we go on. Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see where the storyline goes, um, if it's going to be faction versus faction, 
split up into different storylines, how all that's going to shape out. Um, should be very interesting to see what happens next week. And of course, um, we will preview what happens next week as we uh, get closer and closer to next Wednesday for all elite wrestling. Um, yeah, I will say that uh, with the tag team tournament starting to come up, you know, it's just going to be another reason to tune in. Yeah, you want to see the fallout of what happened tonight, but you've also got the tag team tournament starting. So it's still presenting an opportunity for people to say, oh, there's even more stuff going on next week that we just, you know, didn't even know was going on or forgot all about. Um, so um, I know, I know one person is not a huge fan of these, and I'm going to see you try to make it as, as, a little better as, as, as possible. What would you grade tonight's show? And instead of doing one to ten, one to five, we'll do A through F. Minuses and pluses do count as well. If you want to do it, if you don't, that's okay. That's your prerogative. Um, James, would you, if you have a grade for the show, what would you grade tonight's show as? I'd say initially, so without really giving it much, much thought and grading each match and then finding an average or whatnot. I'd say initially, just off the top of my head, I'd give it a a B, just a straight B. It wasn't a perfect show, but it was everything everything that they needed to hit right, they got 100% correct, and they just had a couple errors that I think as time progresses and they get more antiquated with the two-hour live TV set, both in-ring and production-wise and with everything else, it will continue to improve. So I think they set the bar pretty pretty well for the debut episode. I'd give it a B. Um, they still have things that they can improve on, but I think it, WWE has things that they have to improve on compared to like Monday Night Raw this week, um, which I talk about a little bit on my podcast that I recorded uh, before AEW. Um, I would give Raw like a a C minus only because of the ending of the show. I was it was a a C plus before that, and that ending of the show ruined the entire show for me. But AEW's debut, I would give it a B. And I think they have some things they can improve on, and with time, it'll it'll happen. I think they'll. It wasn't polished, but they're working on it. And I think from where they were tonight, if they continue to get better, then we can only expect better things to come out of the show. Very good, very good. So, Randall, do you want to give a grade on it? So. I will. Don't die yet. There's there's another heart attack waiting to happen. So, first thing, I am giving a grade. So that's a shot number one. Shot number two is I'm giving it an A minus for a guy who's been so I wouldn't say anti um, AEW, but someone who's been skeptical of what it could be. I. I said I wouldn't judge it as a promotion till they came on TV. Well, they're on TV. In this episode, Wildwood had its flaws. It did everything I believe they needed to do to continue to build towards having an effective show. They built storylines. 
that made sense, that um, continued throughout the whole show. Um, and then it it really just, it the ending made you want to watch next week. Um, it's one of those things where if I was given the opportunity after tonight, you would ask me right now, what would I watch? Absolutely be AEW next week. Um, of course, I'm going to watch both. I'm actually going to look if, because I can't record it at any of them because of uh, the fact that everything my dad watches comes on on Wednesday night and they limit us to like four recordings. And any, anyway, um, so... If it's on on the man on the USA app, I'm going to watch it there. Or if it's on Hulu next day, I'll watch it there. I don't think it'll be on the in it, the WWE Network till like a month. Is just normally do Raws and SmackDowns. Um, but definitely AEW is a very watchable program. Um, last thing I'll say before I. Uh, call it a night, is Hager is more over in one appearance on AEW than I think he may have ever been in the WWE um, with just one appearance. And so um, and the fact that he's like the giant of the group is uh, a wonderful thing. So yeah, that's my thoughts on all that. Yeah, it's quite amazing how just one appearance and one attack and can make somebody just more over than they've ever been. And, uh, yeah, I think I just got three heart attacks right then and there with, uh, the unboxed match, the grading, uh, that you were going to do it. And then the grading you gave it. Um, cause that's my grading. I, I'm going to give it an a minus. Um, it was definitely not a perfect show by whatsoever. And even WWE and NXT, they're never perfect shows. There's always a small flaw or a big flaw in any part of it. Um, no show is going to be perfect. You can get very close to being perfect, but there's no polished, perfect show. Um, of course, they, this was their TV debut. They got some stuff to work on. Um, camera angles were kind of different in some aspects. There was one pro, There was one shot where they showed a few empty seats. I don't think it was the production side where the camera, where they have the camera side and that little section was blocked off. I think it was somewhere in the corner. Um, so, yeah, um, yeah. be careful next time with that. If you're going to show some empty seats, it's not a problem. Just don't show like two or three rows of it <laughs> where they did in that one shot. Yeah. Um, you know, everything else was, was pretty good. Um, the commentary team, that was their first time working together. So they're going to get a little bit, they're going to get better. Um, I thought as the show went on, they were, they were good. Um, but the beginning of the show, I thought they were their best. So they just need to kind of continue that throughout the whole show, stay with the chemistry, stay with the rhythm, complement each other, you know, not uh, not stumble a little bit here and there. Um, but production-wise, I thought it was great. The matches, for the most part, were pretty good. The storylines were very enticing and maybe want to watch next week. Um, like, legitimately, it wasn't like, hey, just because I like AEW, I'm going to watch next week. It legitimately made me want to follow up to see what's going to happen with this faction and how the tag team tournament is going to go down. Um and yeah, so I mean, it was a very good show, very strong rating for a debut. I get that, but uh, it was just one of those debuts that you go, Yeah, I remember that debut because it enticed me to want to watch the next week. It uh, had everything that I kind of wanted and a little bit more. So, 
um, yeah, definitely going to be an interesting next few weeks as we start to build up these these factions, start to build up these characters, these these rivalries, these storylines, how the win-loss records affect everything, and see where it goes from there. Um, um, I think James went back-to-back, Dad. <laughs> Lost, uh, lost his signal. So, uh, unless you got anything else to say, we'll kind of plug everything on up and we'll get on out of here. Uh, yeah, let's get on down with this one. We we broke our promise. It's an hour and a half again. Well, hour forty two is where we're at. So, if we speed it by a minute, I'll still be happy with that. But uh, <laughs> progressively, these will get shorter and shorter as we do these. Um, so I'll help James out a little bit. You can listen to James's podcast, taking the bump here on anchor, Spotify, all your favorite podcasting sites. You can follow him on Facebook at taking the bump. That's no G in taken. So it's T A K I N the bump, um, Twitter as well as Facebook. And, uh, yeah, I'll let you kind of plug yourself away as well, sir. Uh, I'm wrestling podcast. Um, search it on, uh, Facebook, we have a Twitter now. It's UH Wrestling Podcast. Um, no, it's UH Wrestling Pod. That's the right way to, to promote yourself. On the Twitterverse, um, still trying to plan a date to get all of us to do uh, the Fiend uh episode just on the theme that it, where we would take it um not much else going on uh gonna be uh, an exciting week uh one more big show premiere in smackdown looking to see what's ready for that other than that great week so far absolutely uh, the season premiere of raw even if i didn't agree with the ending of it um still was pretty good and now we've got uh, the Wednesday Night Wars are underway. Then the main uh, the main event, Friday Friday Night SmackDown, debuting its season premiere on Fox at 8, 7 Central, 8 Eastern, 7 Central this Friday. And then we get to do it all over again next week. So it's not like this is a one big week of professional wrestling. While I do, I have said it's the biggest week. It, it sure is the biggest week. But, hey, we get to do this every single week. So that's what's going to make it even better and more exciting and entertaining. Of course, you can listen to our podcast, Beyond the Curtain, here on Anchor. You can listen to it on Spotify, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, anywhere and everywhere. You can listen to them. Follow us on Facebook at Beyond the Curtain. There is no O in Beyond, so it's B-E-Y-N-D, The Curtain. Also on Twitter with the same handle, Beyond the Curtain, with no O in Beyond. Please like us. Please follow us. Follow everybody here at the Outlaws Wrestling Network for taking a bump for Unhinged Wrestling Podcast. For my guests tonight, James and Randall, I want to thank everybody for tuning in, listening to us. Hopefully we get to hear from you guys and your feedback on these shows and as well as sharing them, subscribing to us. That way we know exactly what we need to do and what we don't need to do. We thank you so much. We hope to listen to you guys next week. Hope to hear from you guys by the next week. So for all of us, hope you enjoy the rest of your day, night, evening. We'll see you behind the curtain next time, guys. This has been a presentation of the Allah Sports Network. <laughs>